Act One of Trinomus, the Three Pieces of Money, by Titus Maccius Plautus, translated by Henry Thomas Riley, eighteen sixteen, eighteen seventy eight. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Dramatis Personae in the prologue luxury read by sonia poverty read by abai in the play charmides an athenian merchant read by todd lesbonicus the son of charmides read by remy callicles a friend of charmides read by mike menelikus megaronides a friend of callicles Read by David Purdy. Starzimus, the servant of Carmides and Lesbonicus. Read by Adrian Stevens. Philto, a wealthy Athenian. Read by Algy Pug. Lysiteles, the son of Philto and a friend of Lesbonicus. Read by Vocal Penguin. A sharper. Read by Alan Mapstone. Stage Directions, read by Wayne Cook. Scene, a street in Athens, the house of Carmides on the one side, and that of Philto on the other. Trinumus, the three pieces of money. The Prologue, enter luxury and poverty. Follow me this way, daughter, that you may perform your office i am following but i know not what to say will be the end of our journey tis here see this is the house now go you in exit poverty who enters the house of carmides luxury to the audience now that no one of you may be mistaken in a few words i will conduct you into the right path if indeed you promise to listen to me first then i will now tell you who i am and who she is who has gone in here pointing to the house if you give your attention in the first place plautus has given me the name of luxury and then he has willed that this poverty should be my daughter but why at my suggestion she has just entered here listen and give attentive ear while i inform you there is a certain young man who is living in this house by my assistance he has squandered away his paternal estate since i see that there is nothing left for him to support me i have given him my daughter together with whom to pass his life but expect nothing about the plot of this play the old man who will come hither will disclose the matter to you the name of this play in the greek is the treasure thesaurus philemon wrote it plautus translated it into latin and gave it the name of the three pieces of money trinumus now he begs this of you that it may be allowed the play to keep that name thus much have i to say farewell attend in silence exit act the first Scene one, enter Megronides. To reprove one's friend for a fault that deserves it, is a thankless task, but sometimes tis useful and tis profitable, 
Therefore, this day, will I soundly reprove my friend for a fault that much deserves it. Unwilling am I, did not my friendship bid me do it. For this faultiness has encroached too much upon good morals, so drooping now are nearly all of them. But while they are in this distempered state, bad morals, in the meantime, have sprung up most plenteously, like well-watered plants. Nor is there now anything abundant here but these same bad morals. Of them you may now reap a most plenteous harvest. And here a set of men are making the favor of a few of much more value than that in which they may benefit the many. Thus private interests outdo that which is to the public advantage, interests which, in many points, are a hindrance and a nuisance, and cause an obstruction both to private and to public welfare. Scene 2. Enter Calicles. Calicles, as he enters. I wish our household god to be graced with a chaplet. Wife, addressing her within, pay him due respect, that this dwelling may turn out for us prosperous, lucky, happy, and fortunate, and that as soon as I possibly may, I may see you dead and gone. This is he who, in his old age, has become a child, who has been guilty of a fault that deserves correction. I will accost the man. Calicles, looking around, Whose voice is it that sounds near me? Of one who wishes you well, if you are as I desire you to be. But, if you are otherwise, of one who is your enemy and is angry with you. Health to you, O oh my friend and years, mate. How are you, Megaronides? And of faith, health to you, Callicles. Are you well? Have you been well? I am well, and I have been still better. And how does your wife do? How is she? Better than I wish. Tis well, a faith, for you that she is alive and well. Troth, I believe that you are glad if I have any misfortune. That which I have, I wish for all my friends as well. Harkey, how does your wife do? She is immortal. She lives and is likely to live. Faith, you tell me good news, and I pray the gods that surviving you, she may last out your life. By my troth, if indeed she were only married to yourself, I could wish it sincerely. Do you wish that we should exchange, that I should take yours and you mine? I'd be making you not to get a bit the better of the bargain of me. Indeed, I fancy you would not be surprising me unawares. I faith, I should cause you not to be knowing the thing you were about. Keep what you've got. The evil that we know is the best. But if I were now to take one that I know not, I should not know what to do. In good sooth, just as one lives a long life, one lives a happy life. But give your attention to this, and have done with your joking. For I am come hither to you for a given purpose. Why have you come? that I may rebuke you soundly with many harsh words. Me, do you say? Is there anyone else here besides you and me? Calicles, looking about. There is no one. Why, then, do you ask if tis you I mean to rebuke? Unless, indeed, you think that I am about to reprove my own self. For, if your former principles now flag in you, or if the manners of the age are working a change in your disposition, and if you preserve not those of the olden time, but are catching up these new ones, 
you will strike all your friends with a malady so direful that they will turn sick at seeing and hearing you. How comes it into your mind to utter these expressions? Because it becomes all good men and all good women to have a care to keep suspicion and guilt away from themselves. Both cannot be done. Why so? Do you ask? I am the keeper of my own heart, so as not to admit guilt there. Suspicion is centered in the heart of another. For if now I should suspect that you had stolen the crown from the head of Jupiter in the capital, the statue which stands on the highest summit of the temple, if you had not done so, and still it should please me to suspect you, how could you prevent me from suspecting you? But I am anxious to know what this matter is. Have you any friend or intimate acquaintance whose judgment is correct? Troth, I'll tell you without reserve. There are some whom I know to be friends. There are some whom I suspect to be so, but whose dispositions and feelings I am unable to discover, whether they incline to the side of a friend or an enemy. But of my assured friends, you are the most assured. If you know that I have done anything unwittingly or wrongfully, and if you do not accuse me of it, then you yourself will be to blame. I know it. And if I had come hither to you for any other purpose, you request what is right. If you have anything to say, I am waiting for it. Then, first of all, you are badly spoken of in general conversation by the public. Your fellow citizens are calling you greedy of groveling gain. And then, again, there are others who nickname you a vulture, and say that you care but little whether you devour enemies or fellow citizens. Since I have heard these things said against you, I have, to my misery, been sadly agitated. It is, and it is not, in my power, Megaronides. As to their saying this, that is not in my power. As to their saying this deservedly, that is in my power. Was this Carmides a friend of yours? He points to the house of Carmides. He both is and he was. Uh, that you may believe it to be so, I will tell you a circumstance as a proof. For after this son of his had squandered away his fortune, and he saw himself being reduced to poverty, and that his daughter, who was grown up a young woman, and that she, who was both her mother and his own wife, was dead, as he himself was about to go hence to Seleucia, he committed to my charge the maiden his daughter, and all his property, and that profligate son. These, I think, he would not have entrusted to me if he had been unfriendly to me. What say you as to the young man, who you see to be thus profligate, and who has been entrusted to your care and confidence? Why do you not reform him? Why do you not train him to frugal habits? It would have been somewhat more just for you to give attention to that matter, if you could have somehow made him a better man, and not for you yourself to be a party to the same disreputable conduct, and share your dishonor with his disgrace. What have I done? That which a bad man would do. That is no name of mine. Have you not bought this house from that young man? A pause. Why are you silent? This, where you yourself are now living. He points to the house of Carmides. I did buy it, and I gave the money for it. Forty minae, to the young man himself, into his own hand. You gave the money, do you say? T'was done, and I am not sorry t'was done. A faith, a young man committed to untrusty keeping. Have you not by these means given him a sword with which to slay himself? 
For, prithee, what else is it? You're giving ready money to a young man who loves women and weak in intellect, with which to complete his edifice of folly which he had already commenced. Ought I not to have paid him the money? You ought not to have paid him, nor ought you either to have bought anything of or sold anything to him, nor should you have provided him with the means of becoming worse. Have you not taken in the person who was entrusted to you? Have you not driven out of his house the man who entrusted him to you? By my faith a pretty trust and a faithful guardianship. Leave him to take care of himself. He would manage his own affairs much better. You overpower me, Megaronides, with your accusations in a manner so strange that what was privately entrusted to my secrecy, fidelity, and constancy, for me to tell it to no one nor make it public, the same I am now compelled to entrust to you. Whatever you shall entrust to me, you shall take up the same where you have laid it down. Look round you, then, that no overlooker may be near us. Megronides looks on every side. And look around every now and then, I beg of you. I am listening if you have aught to say. If you will be silent, I will speak. At the time when Charmides set out hence for foreign parts, he showed me a treasure in this house, here in a certain closet. He starts as if he hears a noise. But do look around. There is no one. Of Philippian pieces to the number of three thousand. Alone with myself, in tears, he entreated me, by our friendship and by my honor, not to entrust this to his son, nor yet to any one, from whom that might come to his knowledge. Now if he comes back hither safe, I will restore to him his own. But if anything should happen to him, at all events I have a stock from which to give a marriage portion to his daughter, who has been entrusted to me, that I may settle her in a condition of life that befits her. O oh, ye immortal gods! How soon, in a few words, you have made another man of me! I came to you quite a different person. But, as you have begun, proceed further to inform me. What shall I tell you? How that this worthless fellow had almost utterly ruined his caution and my own trustiness and all the secret? How so? Because, while I was in the country for only six days, in my absence and without my knowledge... Without consulting me, he advertised with bills, this house for sale. The wolf hungered the more, and opened his mouth the wider. He watched till the dog went to sleep, and intended to carry off the whole entire flock. The faith, he would have done it if the dogs had not perceived this in time. But now, in my turn, I wish to ask you this. Let me know what it was my duty for me to do. Whether it was right for me to discover the treasure to him, against which very thing his father had cautioned me, or should I have permitted another person to become the owner of this house? Ought that money to have belonged to him who bought the house? In preference, I myself bought the house. I gave the money for the sake of the treasure, that I might deliver it safe to my friend. I have not, then, bought this house either for myself or for my own use. For Charmides I have bought it back again. From my own store have I paid the money. This, whether it has been done rightfully or wrongfully, I own, Megaronides, that I have done. Here, then, are my misdeeds. Here, then, is my avarice. Is it for these things that they spread false reports against me? Stay. You have overcome your corrector. You have tied my tongue. 
there is nothing for me to say in answer. Now I entreat you to aid me with your assistance and counsel, and to share this duty of mine in common with me. I promise you my assistance. Where then will you be a short time hence? At home. Do you wish anything else? Attend to the trust reposed in you. That is being carefully done. But how say you? What do you want? Where is the young man living now? This back part of the building he retained when he sold the house. That I wanted to know. Now then, go at once. But what say you? Where is the damsel now? She is at your house, I suppose. She is so. I take care of her almost as much as of my own daughter. You act properly. Before I go away, are you going to ask me anything else? <laughs> Farewell. Exit Calicles. Really, there is nothing more foolish or more stupid, nothing more lying or indeed more tattling, more self-conceited or more forsworn, than those men of this city everlastingly gossiping about whom they call busybodies. And thus have I enlisted myself in their ranks together with them, who have been the swallower of the false tales of those who pretend that they know everything, and yet know nothing. They know, forsooth, what each person either has in his mind, or is likely to have. They know what the king whispered in the ear of the queen. They know what Juno talked about in conversation with Jupiter. That which neither is, nor is likely to be, do these fellows know. Whether they praise or dispraise any one they please, falsely or truly, they care not a straw, so they know that which they choose to know. All people were in the habit of saying that this Callicles was unworthy of this state, and himself to exist, who had despoiled this young man of his property. From the reports of these tale-bearers, in my ignorance, I rushed forward to rebuke my guiltless friend. But if the authority was always required from the foundation, upon which they speak of anything they have heard, unless that clearly appeared, the matter ought to be to the peril and loss of the tale-bearer. If this were so, it would be for the public benefit. I would cause those to be but few, who know that which they do not know, and I would make them have their silly chattering more restricted. Exit. End of Act One.